Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Nerdflix podcast. Wishing everyone a happy Memorial Day weekend out there. If you haven't already, then take a chance to uh, remember those who have made a sacrifice for our freedom. Today, we're going to be talking about The King's Speech a little bit later on, plus our top 10 movies. And uh, stick around for our shitty movie assignment. You won't want to miss that. Here in the studio with me, I have Mr. Mikey Simons, our technical director and producer extraordinaire. Well, hello. And on the other end of the table is Mr. Austin Rowe, who composed that fine piece of music we opened the show with. Hi. So, let's see. I guess we could get started with our, uh, our news items. Mikey, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go ahead and take it. Uh, this is going to be a news item near and dear to you and I, John. Uh, apparently, they're remaking Total Recall. Oh, and Johnny Cho is going to play the part of Quaid. Jo- Wait, who's going to play the part of Quaid? John Cho from Star Trek and Harold and Kumar. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, I know. I was thinking the same thing. Wait a minute. You know what? I think I heard a. I I think I heard about this a long time ago. But they said that Colin Farrell was going to be. Is he not in it anymore? Or is he no, just Colin, not playing Quaid? Colin. Okay, I'm sorry. Johnny or John Cho is playing McLean. Colin Farrell is playing Quaid. Okay, now it's been a while since I've seen it. McLean is the... It's the Schwarzenegger part? No, Quaid is the Schwarzenegger is part, isn't he? That's a very good question. Do you remember Austin? Yeah, Quaid is Schwarzenegger. Okay, so, who, okay, so, so who's Colin McLean? McLean must be... McLean must be the villain. It has to be. Okay. Little alien guy. Oh, yeah, unfortunately they are cutting out the uh, the Mars portion of it. So Mars Wait, will not be that involved. Wait, like, that, that, was, that was like the entire movie. Yeah, so. it ditches the whole Martian storyline. So, um, is that truer to the book, or what? That's actually, well, I'm, I guess I'm kind of happy, because at first, when you said that, I was a little bit upset, because Total Recall is one of my favorite movies, and it doesn't feel like it was made that long ago. So why are they remaking movies already that are only, what, is it even 20 years old? I don't think it's that no, old. 91, I believe. Yeah, so, well, yeah, 90, yeah, what? that would be 20 years 1990, old. 1990, yeah, 20-year-old movie. So, oh, God. I guess I guess they could remake it for the children if they wanted to, but I'm glad that they, I guess I'm glad that they're taking it in a different direction, because if they just remade the same story, it would just be completely boring. Is Ethan Hawke still in it? I heard. Uh, and Ethan Hawke is still in it. Huh. Is the Two Weeks Lady in it? <laughs> well, I mean, Schwarzenegger's on it, so I mean, you know, even though they are filming now, we're not going to wait two weeks to see it. It'll be two years. Greatest line in that movie, that lady. How long will you be staying with us? Two, two weeks. weeks. I kind of like get your Austin Maz. Yeah, actually, I have so many fond memories of the first one. I think I'm just going to be really biased against this one, unless they pull a giant softball thing out of his nose, and they have the, 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 the two-week lady head explode thing. Three and, boobies. Oh, three boobies. How yeah. could we forget three boobies? I was wondering when that was going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I need three hands. Yeah, so I'm not really... Does it say who's directing? Not sure. Let's take a look. This is all Austin, what do you have for us? Later. He'll, he'll check and get back to us. Okay. Um, well, the uh, Tintin trailer just got put up, and I've been looking forward to this for a while because we haven't seen anything about it. it wasn't, I wasn't sure if this was going to be animated or... Uh, what exactly was going on if it was going to be like one of those Sky Commander movies with Jude Law if anyone remembers that no well actually hang Sky on. Commander in the World of Tomorrow whatever that's it was that's the one ah. now see I'm not familiar with Tim Tim is it Tim with an M like as in Mary uh, no with an N like a Nancy like Rin Tin Tin that's it 
Um, so what's the st- is there was it a comic book or a, a novel or what yeah, did the story I come? I believe from? it was a Belgian comic, and um, it has a huge following in Europe. Uh, of course, we don't really know much about it over here. Um, Spielberg was looking at actually making a Tintin movie in the eighties, um, and I believe the uh, the ET scribe. Uh, I forget her name, um, but anyway, she was she actually read a wrote a draft for it, but then I don't know if it wanted to turn around or if it didn't get that far or what. Did but, you say this is Spielberg? Yeah. Okay. But um, <clears throat> so now yeah, it is motion capture, but it looks more like a Zemeckis kind of you know his last five movies have been all that Polar Express. People look extremely bizarre, like they look like aliens or something like that that kind of creeps me out yeah I think the best technology they can come up with is just not something that looks more realistic but something that just looks a little less creepy right and And I don't know if they look creepy because they look realistic or or what but there's something that's creepy about Polar Express oh yeah for sure yeah Uh, this is kind of like they're just plastic but not like in a Pixar way it's just kind of it's kind of unreal skin. It's like their skin is like some kind of like fish leather oil or something. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that sounds less creepy. <laughs> fish leather oil skin. But uh, the good news, I mean, they only show actually one face in the trailer of Tintin. And it looks like the comic character. And it, it doesn't look quite as creepy as like Tom Hanks or those little devil children in uh, Polar Express. So that's good. Is it a kind of a superhero movie? Yeah, it's kind of... Um, Indiana Jones ask where there's like big adventures and whatnot, um, but uh, Nickelodeon's actually it's like Nickelodeon Pictures, which really surprised me. So the trailer looks like it's aiming at kids. I'm not sure how much of that's going to be true, but um, is that a good thing or do you think it should be aimed more at adults? I you know I don't know. Spielberg has always like aimed his kids movies at like the teen level like Goonies you know had like a lot of cussing in it for at least for his time and yeah. like Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom so like if he's aiming low I think that's a terrible idea I mean it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to like throw needless uh, violence and sex into it or anything like that but at least keep it somewhat sophisticated you know like Pixar does they keep it entertaining for the adults and kids so who knows I mean tra- trailers can make a movie look like anything so yeah not to be confused well, needless violence to be confused with regular violence, which I'm a huge proponent of in movies. <laughs> okay, uh, gratuitous would have been like, uh, like if uh, ten ten. Because there's no way we can not address it now. <laughs> so, do you know what that was? That was a dog attacking one of the door stoppers. <laughs> Because <laughs> that sounded hilarious. <laughs> okay. Go on, Austin. What are you talking about? I don't know. What the hell was I talking about? Gratuitous <clears throat> violence. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it really wasn't important. <laughs> right. So, um, Lars von Trier, for those of you who don't know him, is a Danish director. Um, I don't. What would he even be most famous for? Breaking the Waves, maybe? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe Antichrist now, just because... Yeah, he I, directed Breaking the Waves, Dancer in the Dark, Dogville, Manderley, a um, whole host of movies. None of them are really mainstream, so it, it would be kind of hard to explain to general movie-going audience. But for those of you who have seen his movies, um, you know you know what type of director he is. He's very into um, making his audience uncomfortable and 
he has a new movie coming out called Melancholia that was being shown at the uh, Cannes Film Festival, or Cannes Film Festival, for those of you in the South. And um, he... Actually, he he normally does this. He promotes his movies by making some kind of shocking comments, or he has to stir up some controversy. Um, and this time, he stirred up some controversy, and I'm not sure if he did it on purpose or not, but basically while he was being interviewed, um, he said that he sympathized with Hitler, and, well, first he said that he was a Nazi, then he said he sympathized with Hitler, and... He uh, loves art. Yeah, he... <laughs> I don't know if that's what he meant by it, but um, and it, it's kind of bizarre because they everybody freaked out and they got really mad at him over it. And Kirsten Dunst, who is the star of Melancholia, was sitting right next to him. And you can watch this online. But while he was saying these things, she just looked so uncomfortable, like she was just freaking out. That you know, she, she he's a great artist, and she was probably happy to work with him. But once he started saying those things, she was just like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna be." associated with this Nazi movie for the rest of my life, and now I'm going to be typecast. So she looks really uncomfortable. So let me get, get this straight. It's not a good association like Indiana Jones Association with Nazis. It's a negative Nazi association like, uh, yeah. like well, a conductor would be. Exactly. And what happened is one of the reporters asked him um, about some kind of Germanic themes or something like that, and, and he answered the question by saying, well, as you know, in all my life, I up until now, I thought I was a Jew, and then it turns out that I'm really a Nazi, which I think was his attempt at making a joke because he really did. He thought he was a Jew. And then when his mother was dying, she told him that the guy you thought was your father is not really your father. It's really this other guy. It was some German, some German guy. So now that's where the Nazi jokes are coming from. Uh, his real father, I don't know that, that he was really a Nazi. He was just German. So I think Lars is making a joke out of that, saying, you know, kind of the whole all Nazis, or all Germans are Nazis. Listening to those comments, my impression was he started off saying something. I think the journalist was, he felt at least the journalist was insinuating something about his film. Um, and he probably felt defensive. Which I think she was. I, I mean, if you heard the way she asked the question, it was kind of, I, I don't know, it was kind of an inflammatory question, really. But, I mean, they, I don't know, has... Journalists often throw softballs at directors, especially at cons. Um, he he should be used to it by now. But anyways, I think maybe he started going along with this and was like, "Oh shit, this isn't really funny." And then I have to keep going with this. And then he says a whole host of insensitive things along the way. One thing he did say was, "That's a joke too." He kind of stopped himself. Um, so he was letting the audience know that he was just kidding around at some point. Um, and then, of yeah, course, the final he, solution joke at the end, which could potentially be the worst thing he said. <laughs> uh, but that was aimed directly at journalists. So. I do remember that. They asked him what his next film would be, and he said, well, I think I'll, I think I'll make a final solution film, except with journalists. And then, and then he said, no, that, that's a joke, too. So indicating that he was previously joking about being a Nazi. Which, if you watch the whole entire press conference, he was joking the whole time. And he was hilarious the whole time. So... I wonder if he was like, you ever been at a party and like you, you say something and some people laugh, and so that kind of gives you that confidence boost to continue to make jokes, so you just continue making more jokes and they laugh and more jokes, and, and before you know it, you cross this line and everybody's jaw drops to the floor because you're 
joking about Michael Jackson raping aborted fetuses in hell. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, and he even said, at one point, he said, now how do I get out of this sentence? Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. I'm on the fence on whether I think it it was either a joke, and he really didn't know how to get out of the sentence, or... Uh, he did also when Kirsten Dunst was trying to shut him up, and she was like, "Now, now, Lars," and he said he stopped her, and he says, "No, no, there's there's a point to all this. You'll see." So now I'm wondering, did he do it on purpose for the publicity, or did he really just get caught up in the moment and start making offensive jokes that nobody found funny? Now you did say that this was available online to watch this on, on a YouTube or something like that. Um, you know what? There's excerpts of it on YouTube. And um, the the entire I watched the entire press conference and I can't remember the website right now but um, maybe we'll put it up on the website link it on the blog yeah so website for you folks uh, is nerdflix.blogspot.com nerdflix is n e r d f l i x make sure you spell it with an x nerdflix.blogspot.com so check it out we'll see if we can put up some links to this um, the the press conference for you guys so you can watch the whole thing it is hilarious the entire it's about 30 minutes long and 20 minutes of it is hilarious and the last 10 minutes is him talking about nazis and not being funny so goes from aha funny to oh my god this is very uncomfortable uh this is yeah like a really bad episode of the office or even that movie made where it's just (laughs) oh i can't it's excruciating to watch i have to look away but oh my god the guy the rest of the press conference is really funny i mean he talked about how he wanted his next movie, he's going to make a porno, and it's just going to be Charlotte Gainsbourg and Kirsten Dunst um, in various uncomfortable sex acts for, for four <laughs> hours. And he kept insisting that it was Kirsten's idea, that that's what she wanted to do. Um, so he's he's actually a very, very funny guy. Somebody even asked him, he's so funny, why doesn't he make comedies? And uh, I think he said something along the lines of that, because when I try to make a comedy, they turn out very melancholy. And he goes, this actually was a comedy, which was a joke in itself because it's supposedly a very depressing movie, as most of his movies are. Aren't all of them? Like, is there a comedy in his? You know, I think there was one that was lighter-hearted. Um, I haven't seen The Idiots. I'm not sure if that's... I think there's, there was one called, like, The Boss of It All. And I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. But supposedly that one's supposed to be kind of light material for him. But I'm probably spe- speaking with an uneducated tongue here because I haven't seen the movie myself. But yeah, Dancer in the Dark was so painful. I mean, I love the movie. It's a great movie, but so disturbing to me that even though I love it, I don't ever want to watch it in my life again. Um, That's pretty much all of this film. <laughs> well, no, because Dogville I can watch over and over again. I love Dogville. But um, Antichrist I don't think I would want to watch again. I might watch... Well, no, I, honestly, I don't think I want to watch that again. But great movie, though, which is, it's kind of weird, because usually when you see a great movie, you want to see it again. Right. No, not in those. There's several Bergman films like that, too. Is you there? see them once, that's it. So, Mikey, you watched anything good lately? Let's see. Did you get a chance to watch uh, Pirates of the Caribbean this weekend? Did you? The new one, number four. I have never got a chance to watch number three, because the first one was, it was kind of a fun movie, and I enjoyed it. And Johnny Depp's performance was good, but the second one just kind of ruined everything and made me not want to watch them anymore. Yeah, it kind of had a, a Star Wars feel to it. Where you know, first movie, hey, look, we're starting the story, we've wrapped it up, and then oh, we're making we're making this new trilogy. Mm-hmm. So then we have to quick make a an open sequel, open ended sequel, the segue into a third episode. 
um, which did turn a lot of people off to it. Uh, you know, but like pirate fashion, the set designs were awesome. Yeah. The the costuming amazing. The acting was pretty good, and that that really did spill into the fourth one. Even though they did lose almost all of the cast. I mean, really, there was uh, yeah Johnny Depp, and then or, uh, Orlando Bloom was oh, Orlando Bloom and uh, Kieran Knightley. Kieran Knightley, Knightley. They're, they're, they're both, both gone. out of the movie. Now it is uh, Jeffrey Rush is okay. in it. He reprises his role. Okay. And then uh, I believe it's Penelope Cruz is in the movie. Now, does she play Kira Knightley's character, or she's a new character? She's a new character entirely. Okay. That's actually I I don't really mind that because I really don't think Kira or Orlando brought anything <laughs> to the movie. You go to the movie to watch Jack Sparrow, yeah, and and you could even argue Jeffrey Rush. I'm glad he's back, but those two, I don't I don't know. They didn't they didn't really bring anything to it for me. So yeah, and honestly, the the movie itself it was. Um, you know, speaking as far as the the costuming and set design, amazing. But the story itself was kind of lacking. Um, really, they they cut together action scenes to to progress the story because they were they were really lacking it. So now they decided to make a trilogy, and then did the trilogy just make so much money that they decided to tack on a fourth one? Exactly. So at the end of the third one, they didn't li- really leave an opening for a sequel. No, no, but, it was all tied up. So it was kind of forced. They kind of forced this further Jack Sparrow adventures. Which, you know, if they would have taken this one and made this the third movie and tied up the second movie, it would have been a far better trilogy. Really? So at least was Johnny Depp good? Johnny Depp was pretty good. He, You know, same role, same character. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they did put to rest a little bit. He wasn't necessarily the, the captain in the entire movie. So they, they tied it up a little bit by taking away his hat. That way they didn't have to keep saying, oh, captain this. You're feeding a captain somewhere yeah. in there. So, I mean, it, it worked out. Um, so if you are a huge Jack Sparrow fan, you won't go wrong by... Oh, absolutely I mean, not. You, you can get your Sparrow fix, at least. And, you know, I, I did see it in, the, in IMAX in 3D. And, frankly, forced perspective on a big screen, not my favorite thing. Um, however... Once there was action scenes, if you can get over it being a little blurry from the 3D being forced, like I said, you're okay. The fire effects come out really good. Smoke Wait, looks amazing. Wait, you saw it in 3D and 3D IMAX? 3D IMAX, yes. Oh, wow. So you've got both gimmicks going on. Is there, and is there another gimmick seat. they could have thrown in there? Well, they did add leather seats to keep my ass nice <laughs> oh, and warm. Oh, nice. Did the seats vibrate or anything? Well, well. <laughs> did they splash ocean water on you? <laughs> Because it seemed like they needed more gimmicks. They had a spotlight when like there was Captain a moon on screen. Where like, the seats vibrate. <laughs> <laughs> rocks back and forth to yeah. and fro. So, would you recommend it or no? I would say go see this movie. If, if you're not going to see it in the, in, in the theater in 3D, definitely worth picking up on DVD or Blu-ray to really? watch it. This, did the 3D add to it or detract from it? It seemed like it wasn't necessarily filmed in 3D. It looks like it was done in post-production. Yeah. So, I would recommend not seeing it in 3D. Okay. You'll have a cleaner, crisper experience. Cool. Alright, Austin. Watch any good movies lately? Um, yeah, several, but um, one movie that I watched that I had never even heard of, I just found it in my Netflix queue, or actually just in, on Netflix instant streaming, was a movie called Game 6 with uh, Michael Keaton and Robert Downey Jr. Hmm. Um, either of you heard of it? No, I have not, no. Um, it was an extremely low-budget film, uh, but I don't know, it was, it was fairly enjoyable. I'm really only talking about it because I was like, oh, what's this movie? I've never heard of it before. I, I kind of want to see Michael Keaton do something. So. Do you do you ever do that? You add movies to your queue and then completely forget they're there until they just come in the mail? Right, yeah. But, I mean, this was instant, so it was like... Oh, okay. But uh, the, the general premise is he's a playwright, and he has a play coming out that seems to be extremely, or exceptionally personal, I should say. 
and uh, he's kind of waiting for the premiere. Robert Downey Jr. plays a very eccentric um, critic who everybody is terrified of. And then it's, it's like from the 80s, and the Red Sox are in the World Series, and he's waiting for the Red Sox to win all of his life. He's been waiting for the yeah. Red Sox to win. And, of course, they're going to Yeah, lose. as most Red Sox fans were. Yeah. So it kind of has that whole, uh, I don't know if I want to say goodwill hunting, just because that's only that one scene. But So it's a very Boston movie. Well, like I mean, that. it's in New York, but, yeah, it's a very it's a very gritty, urban kind of... It's, it's comedy, but not really, and it's somewhat pretentious, but overall... I enjoyed it. Robert Downey Jr., of course, is always excellent. And is he, this a new movie? Hey, uh, like 2006, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. So it was done shortly after Cars, then. Yeah. Huh. Nice yeah. to see Michael Keaton getting work. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> why I checked it out. Even though he looks slightly like a cancer patient with his buzz cut now. He, yeah, he didn't look bad in this movie. Like, well, I mean, he has a kind of like a 80s goatee. I mean, that's maybe an acquired taste <laughs> for Michael Keaton, but. Uh, I actually like him. I found yeah. it funny that he started off his career in, in... He was really one of the first like crossover uh, stars that kind of went into drama after doing comedy. Because mm-hmm. after he did it, then um, Tom Hanks and you know Jim Carrey and everybody wanted to do drama. But I remember thinking to myself the first time uh, they announced Michael Keaton was going to be Batman... And I'm like, really? The short comedian? <laughs> because that's all I ever thought of him as. I was like, he's Mr. Mom. So, But he actually did some really intense characters in other movies yeah. after that. So it was kind of cool. And before, uh, Clean and Sober is a good movie. And he was in that My Life. I haven't seen that forever. But my Is that the one where he's dying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I've seen part of that movie. But yeah, he's a good actor. Though, so mm-hmm. nice to see. Is he? Does he have a major part in this movie? Yeah, he's the main character. Oh, okay. Fun fact, apparently his name used to be Michael Douglas, but he had to change it because of... Oh, seriously? Michael Douglas. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so the movie I watched recently was called The Proposition, and it's an Australian cowboy movie starring uh, Guy Pierce and Ray Winstone, who was in, uh, I believe he was in Snatch. And uh, basically, uh, Guy Pierce's character is an outlaw, and he runs with his his two brothers and they're kind of an outlaw gang that's being hunted by Ray Winstone and he catches two of the brothers he catches Guy Pierce and his younger brother who's a real pansy and he makes him a proposition he says I'm going to take your little brother with me and I'm going to hang him but I'll give you nine days to deliver your older brother who is really the leader of the gang and uh, if he kills his older brother then then uh, Ray Winstone will let the younger brother live so kind of an interesting um, conundrum that Guy Pierce is in. So he actually does chase down his older brother. Um, but, you know, the whole time you're kind of wondering, is he really going to kill the older brother, or is he just going to go and kind of ask him for help? Is he going to tell him what's going on? Uh, you're not really sure which way it's going to go. So it's interesting kind of period piece. Um, I would say definitely, you know... It's not in the theaters anymore, but it's definitely worth the, uh, the the two hours you'll spend on it on your if you just get it on Netflix. What year was that made? Uh, it was made in two thousand five, and it's funny that I actually have had this on my queue forever, and it was one of those movies that we were talking about earlier where I just added it, and I completely forgot that it was in my queue until it just showed up in my mailbox. So, and I think I actually had it for about a month before I got around to watching it, but. Actually, turned out to be a really decent movie. It was, it was actually kind of fun. I would highly recommend it. So next up, 
King's Speech, uh, Oscar winner for 2010. Um, so, you want to get your thoughts on it first, Mikey? What did you think of the King's well, Speech? This was a movie that we all decided to watch at the same time and make sure we had, you know, all, all, all were up to date, all, all seeing the same thing um, and able to have a good conversation about it. Um, you know, originally seeing the preview a while back, I kind of was uh, off, not sure if I wanted to see it. Um, it did have uh, Jeffrey Rush in it, which I was like, well, hey, maybe, hey, let's, let's go see him. He's a good actor. Do you only know him from the pirate movies? I, I, surprisingly, yes. <laughs> I was like, hey, that that's uh, not Barbosa. Well, you know you know what I'm trying to say. I think it is Barbosa. It is Barbosa, isn't it? Yeah, no, you're right. Okay. So, yeah, I saw him in there. Eh, it looked kind of funny with him shaking his face and whatnot. But uh, So, we were watching, after you guys brought it up, mm-hmm. I uh, looked at the preview on my, my phone. And uh, showed my wife and said, "Hey, let's. Uh, you want to see this movie with me? Because we're going to talk about it." And she said, "Well, let me see the preview." She watched it, came back two and a half minutes later, and instantly said, "You're going to hate that movie. It's a stupid movie. <laughs> it's a movie I want to see. You're going to hate it." Wait, does, is that how it works in your house? You, she knows that if it's a movie she wants to see, then you're going to hate it. Pretty much. So you guys are basically polar. Yeah. Opposites. I mean, you know, aside from Jackass. Um, I, I couldn't really see. Now, that. why does she say you're going to hate it? Because it was British? Um, not because it was British. Uh, I think it was more so the fact that I said it was a biopic. Mm-hmm. And typically, if it's a biopic or an award-winning movie, I'm just completely turned off by it. You're, you're anti-award-winning movie? Uh, not by choice, just by design. I typically hate them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did get it, and we uh, we watched it and finished it over about two nights. And it turned out to be quite a good tale. Um, really? I, you didn't hate it? I didn't hate it. I did like it. I liked now, it. now, you guys are opposites, so does that mean that she hated it? No, she enjoyed it as well. Really? Now, you know, and, and I think what saved it for me is I like when there's the position of power, like the prince, and then yeah. there's the, the the supporting character that kind of pokes fun at the prince and all his little yep. all his little deeds, like, oh, you have to call me this. Okay, Bertle, I'll, I'll, I'll call you that. Whatever. <laughs> you know, just kind of poking fun at him left and right. That was a good dynamic that they had going. An interesting character that wouldn't—he wouldn't take any of the the prince's. I, I don't know all of the pleasantries and things. He he just made sure that they had to be on equal ground. I thought that was kind of cool. And they even called that out in the in the in the movie itself, saying, you know, when you're in my doctor's office, this is my castle. Well, yeah. Doctor's office. I use that term loosely. Yeah. And it was funny that he did to even accentuate that further. I mean, they made sure that once he became the king. Even his own daughters, they were like nine and ten, felt like they needed to curtsy and address him yeah. as your majesty. His own daughters. So I guess at the time, you know, King was held in a, in a higher reverence than it is today. So yeah. you know, I, I felt that was kind of a, a more of a one-time formality that they did it once he was coronated. But oh, really? Because I, I didn't really see them doing it past that. Oh, I, I got the impression that they thought that they were supposed to, and that now that Dad's King, he's not really the same dad anymore and we better treat him in a certain manner but i don't know do you what do you think austin um yeah it's it's possible that it didn't really get into that much detail uh, how, how far are we going in this discussion are we allowed to anything for a game yeah well what you want to talk about jeffrey rush's penis then i'm up for that <laughs> no that's quills I don't think <laughs> oh yeah as much of his penis in this one but no i don't i don't think anything's off limits if I mean, you want to talk about underlying tones or anything oh i just like spoilers or well anything i mean this, this is based on a true story yes um so i mean if you don't know who king george the sixth is then 
skip ahead. If not, you know, hey, fair game. I think we're allowed to spoil this movie just because number one, it's not a new movie. It's it's been out on DVD for a month already. So okay, I, I yeah, I would agree with Mikey. If you're if you're uh, if you don't want to hear the spoiler, then uh, skip ahead exactly uh, three and a half minutes because that's how long Austin's going to talk about spoilers. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Probably overestimating that by three minutes. Um, <laughs> I was going to say it was uh, interesting that that was kind of the thing he didn't want to hear from virtually everybody. But then when uh, Jeffrey Rush's character says "Your Majesty" at the end, that's it's more like a "You've earned this title finally." Like it, it's like a completely different dynamic, different weight. Yes. Yep. No. Excellent point. I would agree with that. It was. It was. You felt like Jeffrey Rush said it because he actually earned it, not because the other brother was such a moron that he would just by default was the king. He had actually earned his title. Right. So I thought that was an interesting vis-a-vis this speech to the people about yeah. it. And um, actually I want to thank Austin for picking this movie too, because this being our first ever podcast, I was actually really nervous about that. You know, I've never been on radio, never done a podcast or anything before. So I was really nervous about doing this, um, just in front of our audience, um, both of them. And, uh, Yes, the two people that will be down with <laughs> yeah. this. We're, yeah, we're, the we one have... person that's still with us. <laughs> <laughs> the other one skipped ahead three and a half minutes, so we can talk about her. <laughs> but, yeah, I was actually nervous about doing this stupid thing. And, um, you know, to think about this true story about a guy that had this huge stammering problem and had to get up in front of basically his entire country. And also, the, the worst thing about it is the movie opens with him giving a speech in front of his entire country. And he falls flat on his face, and it was terrible. And and uh, so it's not like he's never tried this before, and he didn't know if he would be good. He knew he couldn't do it. He knew he was going to be bad, and he still had to go out there and do it anyway. And I think that's where, uh, you know, Carter's character came in is because she was that driving force behind him, forcing him to get over his his problem. Because if it wasn't for her, she would never have found Jeffrey Rush's character. Yes, uh, Lionel. She would yeah. never have taken him to Lionel forced him to go to Lionel because she did care so much about him yeah and Helena Bonham <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter was a great actress but yeah I, I totally agree he had actually given up on it, the entire idea of ever curing this thing and she he said no more doctors after there was a guy that made him put marbles in his mouth <laughs> oh they're sterilized they've been in whiskey <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so I thought that was a funny scene but um um, yeah, I, actually, I thought it was a pretty great cast, uh, a good ensemble cast. The three m- main leads each did a terrific job, and I mean Jeffrey Rush is kind of being Jeffrey Rush, but at the same time, um, Carter and uh, man, what's his name? Um, Colin Firth. <laughs> yeah, the the most famous one, um, <laughs> Academy Award winner yeah. Colin Firth. Like if if he the one to we think, can't think of right now, <laughs> that he uh, didn't actually have a speech impediment. Um, I thought he did a terrific job of getting. Like you can, you could kind of see the psychology of it working through his eyes. Not just he was, it wasn't yes. the mechanic. It was yeah. like a frustration there. He's actually a great actor too. I've right. seen him. The first time I ever saw him was in Pride and Prejudice, and which I think was just a BBC movie. Mm-hmm. But he was very good in that as well, Mister Darcy. Um, so I was kind of happy to see him in this movie as well because I liked him already. But do you believe that he deserved the the, the best actor, best actor Oscar that he won? Uh, that might be the one that actually deserved to win I, I'm not 
I like the f- film, but I don't yeah. think it was probably the best picture. But um, yeah, he did a fantastic job. But best it. actor, you think they deserved, or he deserved it? Yeah, I actually, I, th- I think like that. I said the three leads. Yeah, they each did a terrific job, and actually the uh, supporting cast, Guy Pierce and Michael Gambon. I don't. I mean, Guy Pierce was doing something I hadn't seen him do, so that was yeah. fun. But uh, Michael is just doing his thing. Like, I, I actually love the British stock characters that you see in like all British films. Like, if you watch Love yeah. Actually, everybody in that movie they're enjoyable and like they can like pretty much pick any script they want, and just throw all these people in it, and you're like, oh, okay, this is gonna be okay because I like these guys. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned Guy Pierce. I think he was the one character that I thought was a little miscast, just because. And I don't know if this bothers other people or not, but to me, Colin was supposed to be the younger brother, and Guy Pierce was playing the older brother. And when you saw him side by side, Guy Guy Pierce just looked so much younger. Maybe, maybe just because he's a handsome guy, but he he looked like he was like twenty nine to me. Oh, not not to me. Actually, I was like, Jesus, when did Guy Pierce age that much? <laughs> oh, really? Am I getting this old? And I'm like, oh. okay, so <laughs> that that must be my uh, my big clue that I need to buy a high def TV because <laughs> I still watch movies in low def. Yeah, I mean, like, when you saw his face, I could see, like, more wrinkles, or maybe just that his face kind of gotten flattened or something like that, I'm not sure. But, um, I thought, like, he's an athletic guy, he has an athletic build, you know, because he's, like, he played more of the playboy that went along with it. Yeah. I will give it the the Simpson lady that he was courting, you could call it, did not look like she was in his age range at all. Yes, she did, she looked older than him. Yes. But, you know, back then, before plastic surgery, I don't know, maybe that's what (laughs) women look like. Um, also... Jeffrey Rush, I just want to say, that must be an incredibly difficult role to play. There was parts where, basically, Jeffrey Rush, who's a fantastic actor, had to play the part of a mediocre actor. So it's probably pretty easy for a good actor to play a bad actor, but for a good actor to play an actor who's better than average but not quite good, (laughs) that, that must have been difficult, but... It's just amazing the way he pulled that off. I liked it when he acted. His eyes sparkled with like this like childlike enthusiasm that was completely inappropriate for every role that he was choosing. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm a monster and yeah. I'm Hamlet and both times I'm like, hey. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad they included that little bit of backstory on his character. I thought that was one of the most interesting parts of the movie. Anything else on King's Speech, Mikey? No, I'm good. Would you recommend it? Now that this is the only movie that has united you and your wife outside of Jackass, <laughs> this is the only movie you both liked. I would Strange say it's a good films. watch. I would yeah. say watch it. Now, would you say that it deserves Best Picture? It won Best Picture of 2010. Just one Best of A foreign film. It is. I would say it was well-deserving. Yeah? Yeah. What do you think, Austin? Is that technically foreign? Did it get U.S. distribution? I mean, does that matter, actually? Was it Miramax? I think it was yeah, Miramax. Yeah, Actually, it must be, because Miramax always wins the <laughs> best picture. That's because Weinstein uh, spends a hell of a lot of money. I yeah. Make sure. Yeah, I actually, what do you think about that? I mean, I, do you even respect the Oscars anymore? Because it is, basically, he goes on the campaign trail, just right. like he was Obama or something, trying to get reelected. He goes out and he campaigns for his movies, and spends quite a bit of money, you know, trying to get people who members of the academy to vote for his film. And mm-hmm. I don't really think that I, I don't even really think that should be allowed, although I don't know how you would stop it, but the the film should stand on its own merits and regardless of campaigning or advertising. I recently read this book on DreamWorks and it was actually pretty interesting because it kind of showed the battle between um Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Because um 
<laughs> they actually mentioned that Harrison Ford was up there to present the Oscar, and it was like kind of like set so he would say Saving Private Ryan, and then he could be there with his friend Steven Spielberg, uh-huh. and then uh, like. I remember this actually from when it broadcasted. All he said was Shakespeare in love. Like he looked like he wanted to kill somebody. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so like it was a big upset, and nobody really knew how that happened, especially because that's not that great of a movie. Yeah. Um, so then there was like this bid, big bidding war between Dreamcast and uh, Miramax, and I think Hollywood's kind of turned off on both of them now. Like DreamWorks, did you mean? I think you said Dreamcast. Oh yeah. That's Which it. was a great gaming system. <laughs> this is the game podcast. Damn it! That's <laughs> right, Dreamcast. That's what we should have called this thing instead v- of Nerdflix. VMU for the win. <laughs> anyway, there was a battle between uh, Dreamcast or DreamWorks. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Give you your confidence back. Yes. Man, so, you sounded so stupid when you said Dreamcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> So DreamWorks, yeah, Dream, battle between DreamWorks. Yeah, anyways, there might be some bad blood in Hollywood because I mean Steven Spielberg's not really considered king anymore. Really? Well, I mean, not really. I know he's not considered <laughs> king anymore, but that's interesting that they set that. Now, Shakespeare in Love was a Miramax movie, right? And Weinstein basically campaigned for that movie as well. Yeah, I believe that was the movie that he put his name on, so he definitely wanted to win because he personally won. And it's kind of ironic that yeah. Spielberg wins Best Director, and then oh. Weinstein gets his Oscar too. It's I like see it. that. I almost disagree with the fact that those are even separate awards because really, it was best sure. director should be the best picture. Oh wait, no, it wasn't this year. Why, why did I say that? But sometimes it's almost like the best picture is really a best director award. So when there's two directors that are awesome, then they'll give one award to one and the other award to the other. Mm-hmm. But really, if there is really only one best, you can't you can't be the best director and not have made the best movie that year. Oh, I don't know about that because I mean you could really motivate your talent to give a good performance, but it's nowhere near on par as what a high, you know a, a, an A list celebrity would give. Now this is a good point because what if let's say that it deserved to win? Okay, um, King's Speech. Yes, thank you. What what about it got it the Oscar other than a lot of money and maybe some sexual favors? Um, well, Colin Firth, I think, did deserve Best Actor Oscar. So right. He's so, it, the movie that the movie will be noticed by the Academy because he was because of his performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it had you know it had well I guess it didn't really have a lot of star power. Had a lot of Academy star power because Jeffrey Rush is a former Oscar winner. Right. And Helena Bonham Carter, I think, is nominated. I'm not sure if she's ever won before. Not sure either. It was uh, nice seeing her in something other than her husband's movies. So. Yeah. So, I don't know. But it was a good story. It was a good script. Right. So are so, you saying that it didn't? nothing about that movie deserved to win? Um, no, but I guess what I'm saying is I think it won because of the period, first of all. And that's yes. kind of a mean thing to say, but everybody loves a period piece, especially the Academy. Yeah, yeah and they do. It, does it, it did it well, even though maybe it overplayed the fog that was just constant and... <laughs> Like bleaching out everything. Yeah, um, that might have been just to keep the McDonald's sign. But it, but it was <laughs> nice to see a movie where they actually did participate in the, the propaganda of the time, where they're talking about flu influenzas painted on the side of a building. I mean, yeah. that was pretty neat to see. That was cool. Mm-hmm. There was a couple things that took me out of the movie, like when Jeffrey Rush is chastising him for smoking cigarettes, and he's like, "No, but cigarettes are good for you." And Jeffrey Rush is like, "No, they'll kill you. Anyone who tells you otherwise is an idiot." But I don't know back then during that time if anybody I don't even know if there were people that thought it would kill you. 
So yeah. I don't know if there's somebody was inserting their modern day opinions into into the period piece. Right. I, overall, um, I found his direction kind of patchy. Like there are some moments that he's just really imitating Wes Anderson, and I'm not sure why. Really? Like wait, like, Wes Anderson in um, in King's Speech? Like what? Because Wes Anderson seems so different to me, so I want to yeah. see where what what you thought. Um, there's a lot of centered framing, which is used in Wes Anderson movies to kind of create an awkwardness. Like everybody okay. is centered dead in the middle. Like this happened quite a bit, especially okay. when they're practicing their speeches and stuff. Um, and then also there's a scene when they're in the um, the church when they're uh, practicing, uh-huh. and there's even like kind of like a Mark Mother's Bar. Yeah, Mark, the lead singer of Devo. Yeah, Ba. Yeah, for some reason I wanted to say B, but I knew it was Ba. Okay, Mark Mother's Ba. Um, type of music, um, and it was kind of like quirky. It, it was. It's just using the very bare minimum of Wes Anderson style, like okay. not at all in his context. So, so when you say the center framing, kind of like when uh, he was discussing with his wife how he got the new client, how it was front shot from one end of the table to the other and Jeffrey Rush's center kind of giddy like oh I, I got a new client today and you know he's right, center, like center, he, center, he's center, he's uh, sitting screen. centered maybe like a medium shot and lots of negative space so like, you're mean you you're talking comparing to Wes Anderson mostly photography basically yeah but uh, there was just the quirkiness of it but not I'm not saying like a good imitation it just yeah. seemed really bizarre and out of place like he's trying to add some levity to it and there are some places where the music like got really strong and as if it was overpowering yeah the actual material i mean pretty much the whole the whole first half of the movie with jeffrey rush and it was quirky because they're trying to establish that his methods weren't mm-hmm. really the norm they're out of place yeah yeah that's true that what a crap hole uh office he had too the, yeah i think that's uh <laughs> to office down. yeah yeah exactly that's to hint that he's not really a doctor but at the same time um that's kind of... I don't know, does he not like wallpaper? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe he just doesn't think it's important. I don't know. It was peculiar. I drove through that, even though you weren't. Was that... Because we said no. Doesn't no, you're fine. If we go, spoil ahead. It. No, you're, go ahead. Oh, I just meant that he wasn't a doctor. Oh, yeah. Oh, I totally yeah. ruined yeah. that for everybody. Well, we decided that we were going to ruin things, so... <laughs> I ruined it. I, I think we, we need so to draw the line. green is people... It, yeah, if this was like a Sixth Sense type of movie, I think we totally should avoid spoiling that type of movie. But this, I, I mean, you kind of know... It's almost like a Rocky movie. It's like, you know he doesn't have the confidence, but he's going to come through and be awesome in the end anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we're really spoiling that much. So I think you're fine. Real quick, I'll just say, um, I thought historically like the, i mean you have hitler as a foil so you're going to use hitler but honestly nothing that he did mattered like it was a personal story about yeah. him achieving a goal and actually like mattering like actually appearing into the space that he's been living quietly so that was the story and i kind of felt like everything historical was more or less tacked on that's yeah. just my personal opinion well good so you don't feel like it, it deserved best picture then? no 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 now, see, I only watched one other Best Picture nominee, and that was um, the uh, Jeff Bridges one, the cowboy movie, you True, True Grit. Inception. Oh, I did. Oh, Inception. I forgot about that. Who was going to win that, huh? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> you should have asked me that five minutes ago. Inception, jeez. So, yeah, I will say I thought it was more deserving than True Grit by far, 
but I would not agree that it was better than Inception. But it's still a great movie. Still a great biopic. and still a great period piece. Great acting. So I'd still recommend the watch. But Best Picture? No, not without the campaign trail that Harvey Weinstein laid out. Okay, so next up, uh, we thought that since this is our first ever episode of Nerdflix, that you guys should um, try to... We, we would give you the opportunity to get to know us a little bit because the three of us have very different tastes in movies. Um, so I think we're going to share one movie from our top ten list every week for the next ten weeks if the podcast lasts that long. Uh, so, Mikey, what's your top ten? What, what, what is number ten on your top ten list movie or top ten movie list of all time? All time top ten movie list. Number ten. Don't give away number one. We've got. Wait, we're, so we're working from from bottom up, right? Mm-hmm. Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Far enough, hands down. <laughs> I like Galaxy Quest. See, I actually see? love. Gal- I like Galaxy Quest. All star cast, pun on sci-fi. You seem very sure of that. Oh, I'm, I'm positive. This is my. We don't have to give non sequential order. Okay. It is number ten. Okay. What, what did you like about it? What isn't Other there to like about it? Was, it? it was funny. <laughs> it was a funny movie. Basically, it takes all of the. Now, first the, of all, are you a Trekkie? Were you a Star Trek nerd? I'm more of a Star Trek nerd than I'm a Star Wars nerd. Okay. Definitely. See, I'm not a Trekkie, and I still like Galaxy Quest. So, I get more out of out of it because I like Star Trek more. I don't know if I would get more out of it, say, someone who would go to conventions. Yeah. You, I think you have to be at least familiar a little bit with Trekkies and Trekkie culture, just a little bit, to get some of the jokes. Um, and even though I'm not a Trekkie, I have Trekkie friends, See, and I'm kind of familiar with the I think culture if, a little bit. I think if you were just, if you, there was anything that you would experience some sort of over-the-top fandom, I mm-hmm. think you could relate to this movie. If you know, Even if you were, say, a video game fanatic yep. who went to the WoW Con, the BlizzCon, or whatever it was, if you were big enough to go to that, you'd understand where most of the, the characters are coming from in this other, in yeah. Galaxy Quest. Yeah. True. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of those movies where it kind of, you know, it's good, good to, fun to see a movie where they still use costuming versus CG. Yeah. Um, you oh, know, there were some... There the- were... Yeah. Aliens that color rock. Yeah, you know, you got a puppet suit looks a lot better than. Oh yeah, the big rock guy. Yeah, that was CG. But you know, some of the guys are still in in uh, in suits, which was kind of you know good to see the actors interacting mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. My number ten movie would be Synecdoche, New York, uh, which has got a funny spelling. So if you're looking this up, just look up Charlie Kaufman. It's easier to spell. Um, but he's a he's a writer, probably best known for writing. Uh, being John Malkovich, um, and he also wrote Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, my favorite writer by far, and he just decided that he was going to uh, direct a movie, and financially it it turned out to be a complete disaster, Um, so I don't know if he'll ever get the opportunity to direct again, which is a shame because I thought it was a wonderful movie, Um, very long movie, but I I was not bored for even one second of it. Um, It's basically about a playwright, and... I, I can't even describe most of this movie because it's just so bizarre, but it's basically, it's about a playwright, and he's trying to achieve his dream and, and write his perfect play, and it's, his life just falls apart in the process, and it's kind of a, it's almost a tragedy. It, actually, it's not almost a tragedy, it's very much a tragedy, and you will find yourself, like, so heart-wrenched for this guy and, and all the, the bad luck that he has, um, and you really feel bad for him, but at the same time, you are laughing at him and at his misery because of the way the story is told. So, very, very interesting movie. Um, people who don't get it are going to watch the movie and say, oh, it's so sad and so boring. 
But if you're if you you see it for what it really is, it's hilariously funny. So you could actually go see this movie with a couple of your friends, and some of them won't laugh at all. It's one of those movies. But I think it was brilliantly funny, and I hope it's not Charlie Kaufman's last directorial effort. Have you seen it, Mikey? No, not at all. Okay, it is a terrific movie. Um, it's a one of a kind movie, at least from my personal history I haven't seen anything like it no is it also your number 10 no is it anywhere on your top 10 no okay but see different tastes what I tell you well yes but I mean it's not <laughs> well my top 10 is kind of just 10 titles that I just couldn't do without and I'm not sure yeah. if it's it's one of the better films that I've seen so um, I only own probably five DVDs <laughs> total because I'm not into watching movies again and again but um, but this is one of the five that I own so I can't go a night without watching American Dad on my uh, streaming on <laughs> oh, Netflix really? fall asleep to it every night <laughs> so what, what's your your number 10 movie Austin you know to be honest I didn't rank let's just say my top 10 are all so close okay I'm just going to share one, one of your of 10 movies in yes. any random order there just is, don't give away your number one yeah the one of the ones you're Less likely to be okay. Yeah, I do go this early. I do have a favorite movie, so okay. We can just say the other, I don't know, nine or eight. Okay, are in there. Um, I just watched this weekend to prepare myself for uh, Tree of Life. So we'll just talk about Thin Red Line. Mm. Um, Excellent movie. One of my favorites. I'm not sure. You know, could be ten, could be higher. But um, I actually watched it for the first time on Blu-ray this weekend, which shouldn't really mean anything. But yeah, it was kind of. A completely new experience. Um, really, it just there's so much obvious beauty in the film. So them seeing it with such crystal clear uh, definition, plus the cinematography, just admiring it, um, it does it justice. So, yeah. but uh, every time I watch it, I get more out of it. Um, you know, to be honest, the last time I watched it, I had watched the first episode of Ken Burns' The War, and it was about Guadalcanal, and then. Um, I was like, oh, that's just, that's a good time to pop in uh, Thin Red Line. And everybody talks about that. It's kind of like a war movie that's not a war movie because mm-hmm. it's not really about war. It's about Terrence Malick talking through his characters, yeah. which is kind of true. But um, at the same time, like I was watching it again like the last two times I've watched it. I'm like, this is definitely a war movie. It's just not a testosterone-driven war movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole movie is about taking a hill. It's about dying. But like watching that documentary with that, it was almost as if, they were dramatizing so many of the internal things that they discussed in that documentary about like guilt. Like something I actually caught for the first time this time was um, there's a scene where kind of like a, a tough, murderous kind of uh, w- one of the more alpha male soldiers um, who would be more less uh, uh, confined about killing people. Anyways, uh, he's talking to a Japanese soldier who's dying, and he's talking about the buzzards how they're going to eat his flesh raw. But he has a pair of uh, pliers in his hand. And I, I never really caught what was going on. Uh, I think Terry's being a little subtle just because it's more grotesque that he was actually pulling teeth out of uh, soldiers who were dying. Oh. And yeah. then later you see him like crying in the rain as if like he's hugging himself trying to get himself back. And like those were some of the things that they were talking about in that documentary about people going too far with the violence and then not knowing themselves. And like... So I I thought that was incredibly emotional um, and uh, precise, but still, it's it's Malick's film. It's kind of Walt Whitman in World War II. Yeah. So beautiful movie. I I remember watching this, and I haven't seen it in probably you know ten years, 
Um, actually, I probably made myself look stupid. Was it like not even ten years no, old? No, it's, it's same year as Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So yeah, it's been more than ten years than since I've seen it. And but the one thing that stood out to me is how beautiful it was for a war movie. Usually, war movies are not known for you know just amazing beauty in their shots. It's, right. You don't you don't look at war movies and, and appreciate the scenery really. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really did that and brought something new to it. So I thought it was a great movie. One thing that I thought detracted from it, and tell me what you think about this, was all the cameos. Like uh, it was like Terrence Malick doesn't make that many movies. Um, so when he makes one, it seems like everybody just said, "Oh my God, I got to be in Terrence Malick's movie." And then, so you're you're just getting engrossed into it and everything, and, you're, and then you're like, "Oh hey, there's John Travolta." Right. So do you feel like that took your? Did that hurt the experience for you, like it did for me? Um, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Um, actually, I read uh, Michael Metavoy's autobiography. He was the producer of it, or uh, of Phoenix Pictures. Um, he was saying that was a stipulation by Fox. They had a list of names that he had to get so many it was like a quota of big names but ironically he wanted unknowns so he put them in the movie but he put them in bit parts oh that's hilarious right so but actually like adrian brody and um uh, who's jesus in passion uh jim caviezel yeah exactly like and um caviezel. <laughs> several others who have since then become big names like yeah. nobody knew who they were at yeah. the time so now when you watch it, it's like, wow, there's a lot of So that's interesting. He's like, yeah, you want Travolta? I'll give you Travolta. And he gives him like 10 <laughs> seconds of screen time. Yeah. He's almost an extra. Exactly. So but it, apparently he wanted Travolta for um, Days of Heaven um, and the Richard Gere role. So mm-hmm. uh, he kind of probably wanted to work with him, but oh, okay. still he didn't give him much to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually funny. Okay, so uh, we're just about out of time, but we'll close the show with our shitty movie assignment which is something that uh, we might be doing every week, uh, where one of us basically picks the worst movie in the world and assigns it to uh, one of our compadres to watch and report back on it next week uh, on whether they enjoyed it or not, and likely it's going to be not. So uh, this week, my shitty movie assignment is for Mikey, and it's a movie called A Real Young Girl. It's a French movie. Oh, and then you had to pick a foreign. Yes, yeah, so it's a French movie. So the, this is not. Is it, is it subtitled? Is it, it? Yeah, it is. And here's the thing about this: it's probably not even a shitty movie. I haven't even seen it. But <laughs> you know, I'm here's looking, the here's the thing about it. I'm looking at the poster, and she's in a bra, so it could have potential. I, I know you're not going to like this movie because number one, it's subtitles, and I know you hate having to read your movies. <laughs> so this is might not be a shitty movie, but it's a shitty movie for Mikey. So uh, the subtitles, it's French, and. Uh, well, no, I'm okay with subtitles if it has Jackie Chan in it. Okay, well, <laughs> this doesn't have Jackie Chan in it. I really wanted to see this movie myself, but I'm afraid to because I heard about a particular scene in it where it's a, it's a graphic scene where that girl actually masturbates with a handful of earthworms. Oh, I, I like Evil Dead. That one has a girl being raped it? by a tree. I mean, oh, okay. Well, I don't, this uh, from the way it's shot, I don't know. It, might, it would gross me out. So I don't want to. I don't want that image in my head. So you know, for the next <laughs> we've seen Antichrist. Yeah, the next like ten years, when I, if I'm making love to my wife, I don't want to be thinking about these earthworms. So basically, I'm going to test it out on you, and uh, you watch it and tell me if it makes you completely impotent. And if it does, then then I'll know that I should not watch it either. So anyway, Mikey will watch that movie. That's a pre eight. It's pre birth of Mikey movie. Yeah, I think it's what seventy six. There you go. So it, it is an older movie. Yeah, I know who the director is. Um, Ka- you know, I do know who the director is because I like her. 
but I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm going to sound stupid, but it's Catherine, I think it's Brayat or Brelat or Brelay or something like that. It's a French, French, so I can never tell how to how to pronounce it. Is it Brelay, you think? Um, I, I, maybe if I need to see it. It's, it's B-R-E-L-L-A-I-T, I believe. Let's see, so it's probably Brelay. Uh, oh, she's done Fat Girl. Or Brayat, I don't know. So yeah, she did Fat Girl. Um, she did Anatomy of Hell. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head what else she did. But I do like her as a director, so I wanted to see this movie. But I just don't think I can live with that scene. So Mikey's going to report back and tell me how much he enjoyed her. And actually, this is really revenge on Mikey. Because he recommended <laughs> he recommended a movie to me one time called Sleepaway Camp. And which is a terrible movie, but uh, he just recommended it to me so I could see the last scene, and the last scene was so disturbing that I, I mean, just the the, the freeze frame that happens uh, gave me nightmares for probably the next six months. So uh, this is this is my revenge. I hope I actually hope this kills your boner. I, I hope you're impotent because it would serve you right for making me watch Sleepaway Camp. You're still upset about that last. 30 seconds of Sleepaway yes, Camp. I am. I, I, I'd like to know, please. Do you, do you want us to spoil it? Yeah, okay, I, I don't want to spoil it. It does have a twist ending, so I don't want to spoil the twist ending. But there <laughs> is a really? character's face, and it, it, the, it freezes. The last frame of the movie, it freezes on her face while she's got a certain expression. And there's no makeup or there's no blood or anything. It's just her expression. And it's so creepy and that they actually freeze on it. And then the credits start rolling, and they keep it on there. So while you're reading the credits, yeah. you have to stare at this Somebody creepy really face. This, this, is, this, this is the picture, right? Oh, no! no, no. That's, not, that's not the... T- no! Oh. Let me see that. that you know not, that's not the... The, the, the experience is... Dip- no, okay. <laughs> taking that out of context. You're, you're taking it out of context. Austin, it's better if you watch the movie... And then that is the last scene. I'm telling you, you're probably ruining it for yourself right now by looking at that on Mikey's eye touch. Yeah. So like her eyes are incredibly large. Her nostrils, yeah, are, like her mouth. But and, and and there's there's a sound. Several. There's a sound oh, she makes when she makes that face, and it's it, just the creepiest wi- lizard sound. And it's just, it's just a zoom out shot. Yeah. It's like is she 25, happy? 30 seconds. Is she no. no. Oh, oh, no. No, <laughs> I can't I can't look at it because it creeps me out cuz it it reminds me of the sound and the the face and she's actually kind of trembling when she does it which so oh, looking awesome. looking at the still photo is not the same effect. So well, no, I, I mean it terrified me especially further away because like yeah, her features all look so enlarged. Yeah, so I would I would yeah, I don't recommend anybody watch it, but if you're curious about it, you know, you can and just cut to that last scene yeah, and who isn't at this point. No, yeah. great movie. Worth a watch. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, Best you know, picture winner. Great quotes such as, uh, you know, when there's no grass in the front yard, go back in the, go in the back and play in the mud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, don't, don't watch that. Yeah. Great movie. On, yeah, on that note, we're going to close the show. Uh, visit us on at nerdflix.blogspot.com or email us at nerdflixpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, here's a, here's Please. a better shot of it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. I think you should have to do shitty movies for the rest of the duration of this whole I'm run of podcasts. Because <laughs> it's, it's disturbing. Anyway, nerdflixpodcast at gmail.com. Please spell Nerdflix with an X. Oh, look, they even put it on the cover of the DVD. No, I'm not going to look oh, anymore. I got to see this. I'm not look anymore. <laughs> Please email us your thoughts on the show. That is uh, a Z-grade cover. <laughs> we're, we're very di- interested in making this show better, so email us your feedback. 
Um, constructive criticism, deconstructive con- criticism, we'll take them both. Um, so give us a shout. Uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody, and we'll see you next time. Okay. Okay. Left silence. Uh, you're just now, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be my revenge. <laughs> you just turned it all around on me. <laughs> oh, man. But it's so much better if you watch the movie. <laughs> it is It is pretty... Because it's a horrible it, movie. It really it, is it, bad. It is a terrible movie, but you do kind of... I don't know because the the character she's she's very innocent for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So the then to see the shocking ending of Sleepaway Camp. Is oh yeah, you got it pulled up. Yeah. Oh, did you just spoil it for yourself? What's even funny is that uh, I'm they the, make, never going to watch this. Movie. Okay, they make reference to it in uh, uh, Robot Chicken. Oh, do they? Yeah, they have like a little scene where he's like she's holding the knife, oh. and, and then uh, Seth Green pops in and is like, only a few people are going to be old enough to actually get this reference. <laughs> what the fuck is even going on? Like, it's she. <laughs> What's this in reference to? What's what? In, I don't know what's going on, so I can't tell you what's in reference to what. Her making that face. Because essentially, she plays a boy. The okay, whole movie. so no, she's a girl. She's a girl. Oh, the whole she's movie. a girl the whole movie. Okay, so. Basically, she's a girl, and what you she's very, very innocent, very shy the whole movie, and she looks innocent and shy. Yeah, and then but people she, are dying in the sleepaway camp, and so are, there's mean counselors. The big shocking ending is that she's the killer, but she's also not really a girl; she's a boy because you see her penis dangling. But uh, I might have been missing that because okay. it was a small well, anyway, that was the shocking part: is that she's a she's really a boy, oh, yeah, and is. her abusive aunt. After uh, the the girl died, she took the boy and raised her as the girl, forced her to be a girl against her will, which is basically why she turns out to kill people. Gotcha. And then she ends up they they catch her at the very end, and she's there, and she's I think she chews off the guy's head, and then she's and holding then, it, and, and then she makes that that face and that sound, and they freeze. Did they freeze on it and show you the credits? Yeah. yeah. You see the credits rolling, and it's still like behind and, in like that eighties. Yeah, no. Friend scene. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. That'd be terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it is terrifying. Like when he saw, when he showed me, I was like, ah! especially <laughs> after seeing the movie, and she's the innocent character the whole time. And even if she turned out to be the killer, well, fine, she turns out to be a killer, whatever. But to turn out to be that, like yeah. weird, beastly, and I don't even care about the penis thing. They could have thrown that out. She could have been a girl who just had a creepy face when she killed people. Is that seriously the only reference to her being a girl? Yes, that is the only reference. Or no, a boy. No, boy. Boy. That's yeah. the only reference to her being a boy. That's the big. How did we find twist. out then that her that 
that she's a boy? That she was raised to be a girl. Oh, they have a flashback. After after oh. they show her there with her penis hanging out, then they have a flashback to the aunt like putting her putting him in a dress. I think we should put this on the blog. The shock this YouTube. Oh no, because then I'll have to look at it. No, you don't have to look at put it. Put a link. Put a link to it at least so that they can choose to click on it if they want to. It's not that disturbing. No, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, are we all going to get to listen to this before it goes up? Or? Yes, please. Thank I would you. like to. I think we should all have veto power over it in case one of us ends up sounding like a 10-year-old girl or something. Yeah. And, like, I'm really... I, this is probably something I should have mentioned. I'm really, like, uptight about my voice because I had, like, a huge speech impediment. I oh, should have really? brought that up in the... Like, you should have. When I was talking about how nervous I was to do this, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you just sit back and you're like, yeah, John, nervous. What a loser. I'm not nervous at all. That's what she looks like. He looks like before. Yeah, I mean, when you say he, but she it still, doesn't really look like a he. I mean, no. it does. She's, Actually, a girl you know, played. It was she, a girl. A girl played the mm, part. She looks like. That's good because uh, I was like, I, she's still cute. Yeah, she. Well, she <laughs> looks like Sarah. She looks like Sarah Silverman. Yeah, she yeah, does. She does yeah. yeah, which uh, Sarah Silverman is totally hot to me. So unless she's biting off your head, going yeah, with a penis. Well, uh, she can bite off my head as long as she doesn't hit that face. Ah, we've been recording this awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic idea. What what year was it, man? You know, I don't remember. I think um, it's not that old. Probably, I would guess, about 2007. Um, And I don't even remember the director's name. But... You're going to make me search. You better edit this out. <laughs> uh, this is trial by fire. Come on, faster. Find the T. Find the T. Oh, you don't have swipe. I can't use this. <laughs> <laughs> what? You can't not swipe? No. Okay, this whole thing just fell apart. What was it the proposition. Word? Proposition 2005. 2005? Okay. So why don't you ask me that again, Austin? When, when, when was it made? Yeah. Okay.